That's not the sound shit that we use. Say, maybe it's not like riding Whoops, a bike. Guys. More like riding a unicycle. Fantasy, you're in the whole 60104. Draft week, finally here. Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you can save. It's Tuesday, April 25th. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably about 48 hours until the start of the 2023 NFL Draft. My first thought when I I say that is, thank God, Mm -hmm. because I am sick of all the misinformation and the smoke screens and people trying to tell me rumors that may or may not be true. It is finally time for the NFL Draft. We're going old school today. I'm here with Mike and Stefania in one side of the studio, and then Daniel is separated by glass. Yeah. I prefer this, be honest. This is like my old stomping grounds now. I feel like you guys put me back here as a punishment. Like I had to have to have this big wall of glass in between. What's the punishment for? I don't know. I think because you guys don't like me very much, and I don't know why. I'm the most likable guy here. That's a very good point. That is a great point. You know, the only thing is that sitting behind the glass, there are some very distinct advantages. You can say whatever you want about us as long as you turn your mic off. And no one can hear it. Field, I did he that for you. You also yeah. have all the power. Yeah. You have all the power. You can control yes. us from over there. Is there That's a way right. to like uh, alter the way that our voices sound? <laughs> oh, that would be really Filters. fun. Yeah, that would well fun for maybe not so fun for the audience, but fun for Daniel at the very least. Here's By the way, he just tells me to my face he doesn't like me, even in the studio. So I don't think this uh, is any different. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, yeah, that's a good point. So we've got a fun show today. Again, our last our last show before the draft. We're going to do a show on Friday, hopefully out early afternoon. We're going to react to first night of the NFL draft. There should be some number of players that have fantasy relevance taken in the first round. Of course, one of them being Bijan Robinson. And we just had a meeting with uh, some staffers here on the ESPN fantasy side, and we made it clear. This is the biggest rookie as far as fantasy football is concerned since at least Saquon Barkley. At least. I mean, he, this is a star, not even in the making, a star who, no matter where he ends up, is going to have dramatic fantasy value. Can't wait to see where that spot actually is. But we begin, we begin with some news and... Did you guys hear this? Aaron Rodgers got traded to the New York Jets, Stefania? Have you heard? ESPN Radio, breaking news. So I was watching NFL Live when it happened. And it was, I don't know if it was more entertaining to just be watching and watching Adam be so pumped about delivering the information than watching everyone's reaction to like what the deal was. And it was great because I kind of felt like I was doing the same thing, like just hanging on every word to see what did the Packers, where did they concede? What did the Jets have to give up? Like we knew it was going to happen, but I thought that Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, it might come down to like day two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I thought there was a chance that things could go all the way until after June 1st when the cap ramifications would have been different for the Packers. So glad that it's over just uh, for expository purposes for those that maybe aren't living on Twitter or ESPN.com. The latter of which is a mistake Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. It includes swip, swat, swapping first-round picks. So the Jets move from 13 to 15. They also send a second-round pick. Remember, they added a second-round pick in the Elijah Moore trade not long ago. Perhaps there was some foreshadowing there. And a pick next year that if Aaron Rodgers plays at least 65% of the snaps this season is a first-round pick. If he plays 64 or fewer, 
It's a second round pick, so still some valuable draft capital for me. Green Bay. That one's interesting to that's me. That's an injury. It's basically yeah. injury. Yeah. injury. It's insurance. That's yep. right. So it's that's about ten games Aaron Rodgers has to play with, depending on how many snaps per game, uh, to make that a first round pick next year. I know we had this conversation before about what this means from a fantasy perspective, Mike. But let's let's dive in again because mm-hmm. once it became real, it felt like there was a bit of a different impact. Really bad year last year for Aaron Rodgers, the worst of his NFL career, at least in a long time. That I think is a more more uh, that that's a probably a safer way to describe it. I would say and, worst ever as a starter. Okay, yeah. yeah. So right in at least in the conversation, if not clearly the worst season ever for Aaron Rodgers as a starter. Didn't have twenty fantasy points in a game at all last year. It's unreal. Didn't throw three hundred yards in the game last year. So is he a fantasy starter this season? I don't have him as a starter. I have him. What's nice about this trade is usually we have to like panic and update everything. I yeah. don't have to do anything. Right. I already had him on the Jets. Been there, done we've, that. We've already had it, uh, hit him set up this way. So uh, we've thought about it for a while. We kind of knew how we were going to feel about this. And look, I'm at QB 15. So I think he's a streaming option when the matchup is right. Is there a chance he gets into that back end QB1 conversation on a weekly basis? Absolutely. But he's going to have to do it through the air. There's so many more quarterbacks now that do a lot with their legs. Aaron Rodgers is not one of those guys. And when that's the case, to get into that QB 6 to 10 range, you have to light it up through the air and throw, you know, for 4,500 yards and maybe 35 touchdowns. So can he do that? Absolutely. The the group of pass catchers here is pretty good. Garrett Wilson looks like a perennial number one or a certified number one the first round pick last season. They have still have Corey Davis there, Alan Lazard, uh, Miko Harmon they bring in. They like Tyler Conklin at tight end. Brees Hall eventually out of the backfield. So he has the weapons around him to get back into that back-end QB1 conversation. But I think his days as an elite option in fantasy, I think they're past. So, Daniel, obviously this is the most important takeaway from this trade is that Jared Goff is now clearly the best, most accomplished quarterback in the NFC North. Sure, I mean, Justin yes. Fields is the most talented. Talented, but, but, yes. You know, yeah. Jared Goff most accomplished. I like that. Uh, to be clear. Yeah. Um, how much? So uh, this is the part that I keep coming back to with Aaron Rodgers is Aaron's an interesting feller, right? That much we know. I would imagine that he is, whether this is accurate or not, assuming that a bunch of people think he is washed, right? And he no longer has it, and that the Packers are moving on from damaged goods. I know narratives can be tricky in fantasy football, but are you buying into the possibility that Aaron Rodgers has a comeback season this year to prove whatever doubters there are out there incorrect? Absolutely. I have Aaron Rodgers as quarterback 12 right now, just behind basically all of the mobile quarterbacks, guys that use their legs a little bit more. He's sort of like that last tier of guys that can be able to escape the pocket and extend drives, extend plays. I've got him at quarterback 12. I've got Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 10 as a part of this because I just think that Aaron Rodgers, with everything that we just talked about, Mike, you said it was arguably his worst season of his career. He doesn't want to go out like that. I know. I feel like I know enough of Aaron Rodgers' mentality that he's going to want to come here and say, "I still got something left in the tank." You guys were all idiots for having me move on when you should have left me there in Green Bay. Like that's the way I view Aaron Rodgers approaching the season. I totally. I, I, agree. I feel like I've heard that a lot. Like he doesn't want to go out this way. You know who else didn't want to go out that way? Uh, you know, the best quarterback of all time last season, Tom Brady. Know, it, it wasn't so hot last year. He didn't want to go out that way either. Yeah, he, I guess the difference would be like, that like Brady was coming off of a tremendous season in 2021. So a 2022 sure. downward turn wasn't as I'd say in the like on the table for Brady as a 2023 continuation of the downward turn seems for some people's mm-hmm. uh, for some people as it relates to Aaron Rodgers, Daniel. So I got a real quick question. Okay. Since 1993. Okay. Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre have started 97.7 of the starts at the quarterback position for the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Who are the other quarterbacks since 1993 that have started game? Right. Jordan, Love. Jordan Love's one. Brett, Matt Flynn's one. Brett Hundley. 
Matt Flynn, Brett Hundley, There's Jordan Love. And it's Matt Flynn. Okay. And it's Brett Hundley. Yeah. Well, Jordan Love's part of the game, too. You're right. That's yeah. fair. That's so fair. three of them, yeah. So three of them, yeah. 97.7%. Like, guys like Kyle, when you talk about Packers fans, they've basically known two superstars their entire career. And I just want to say this. Welcome to what the rest of the NFL has had to deal maybe. with as a fandom. Hey, maybe Jordan Love might be. Who knows? We don't oh, know what yeah, Jordan totally. Love is. Jordan Love was so good that the first couple of years of his career where he was so fantastic, he had to continue to sit behind this guy that, like, I, I just don't buy that. I just cannot a, see that. Here's a real question I have. And Kyle, is Kyle, uh, Kyle near is enough right to here, the yep. mic that he can answer? I'm not trying to incite, like, this massive debate. I think there's a an, an interesting conversation to be had. 33 years of error. I think it was 30 years of Rodgers and Favre as the starters. Obviously, they overlap, so uh, there was more total combined seasons on the roster, but Rodgers was the backup to Favre for a while. That included seven MVPs, two Super Bowls. Successful run, given the stature of your quarterbacks, or do you wish there was more? Be honest. It's okay. I'll take success. No, it, okay. it definitely works. Do I wish it was more? Of course, but every fan base is going to say that. I'm 33 years old, and like Daniel said, this is the first time I'm going through this. Yeah. I realize how spoiled I am. That's yeah. not going to change the fact that I'm. Yeah. It's yeah, actually I'm you, really, you, really. you You get checked at you get ID checked at middle school dances. Kyle. You make <laughs> me look like I, I don't, Benjamin Button. Like you're the the youngest looking person of all time. You keep wearing that. So again, I just I don't want to start too much of a debate, but it's an interesting conversation, right? 30 years of success, mm-hmm. and yeah. too, but then again. As Vikings fans, as Browns fans, what they would do for just one, much less two in a span of 30 years. All right, so Daniel did bring up uh, Garrett Wilson, and we'll be a little bit expedient on the rest of this stuff because we've talked about it before, but I think we all kind of see him in a very similar light as far as his ranking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daniel has him at wide receiver 10. I have him at wide receiver 11, so not too far off. And this guy was the offensive rookie of the year, had 80-plus catches last season, had over 1,100 yards. The big problem for him last year was, of course, the quarterback play led to a lot of off-target throws, and he also only scored four touchdowns. Those numbers figure to go up across the boards, Mike. No reason to believe he can't crock the top 10 for wide receivers. Yeah, I'm with you. Sixth in targets, fifth in end zone targets as well, so they were getting him involved near the goal line. Huge target share, uh, very low catch rate because the quarterback play was poor, and we would expect that to go way up. So I'm with you. Borderline wide receiver one in the upside here is massive. All right, let's just quickly run through the. Uh, actually, I want to ask about Brees Hall's divine. Oh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a good time to ask about him. He's been tweeting a lot. He might be on NFL Live in the next couple of days. Oh, yeah. So I, check think he, that out. I think yesterday he said something like he thinks his knee's healing a little yeah, bit faster. faster. Yeah, and I think, though, that a lot of us, Mike and myself included, have some scar tissue. No, mm-hmm. that was a bad pun. But, yeah, no, yeah, no, but, it's appropriate. I guess appropriate in this case. <laughs> uh, we are a little bit reticent to draft a guy as high as Brees Hall maybe deserves to be ranked because he's a special player coming off of an ACL there. I think you made a really important distinction, though, the last time we were talking about he and Javante Williams. Not all ACL slash knee injuries are created the same. Yeah, and his was far more straightforward. That's what we talked about, straightforward than Javante Williams. And by all accounts, he's doing well. Robert Sala has already talked about how great he looks. Brees Hall's certainly um, been giving hints that he's up to speed. And the Jets certainly sound like a team that expect him to be available week one. Note of caution, everybody always expects these guys to be available week one, and we like to see what's happening in training camp. How much football work are they doing? So I kind of made a couple notes coming into today saying, here are the big unknowns. Where will he be when Mm -hmm. training camp opens? That's number one. And then how does he progress through that? And then what will the workload be once he does get back onto the team? So as far as where he is when training camp opens, I saw Rich Zamini's report that said, you know, he may not do much in training camp, but who really cares as long as he's ready for week one? The problem is, and you guys have heard me like a broken record, but I'll say it for the people who may not have heard it out there in the audience. It, you 
are preparing to play in a game by playing in games. There is no substitute. So if you do no preseason competition, uh, and if you practice, but on a limited basis, and you're not doing padded contact practice, whatever it is that you're skipping, you have to still acclimate to that when you get back. So if I don't see him get some of that in the preseason, I will be concerned about just how long does it take to get him up to competitive speed? And then the second thing is we've seen when a guy comes back looking strong, Dalvin Cook, and a team gets excited about how good he looks, do they then go, okay, keep feeding him the ball and the workload is too much too soon? Not that it's going to disrupt the ACL, but do they end up with a hamstring injury? These are the common things. So Goblin last year, right? I mean, different position, obviously. Yeah, he came yeah. Back the ACL was, fast. I, I know. And he did. It was sort of a weird fluky play. I mean, you can kind of go both ways on that. But uh, like in Dalvin's, it definitely appeared to be over. Just the volume of work was so much. How much was he touching the ball? And the thing is, it's not even how much they're touching the ball. We've talked about this with Christian McCaffrey. It's how much are they on the field? Mm. Uh, how much work are they doing if they are not conditioned to football work? So those will be the talking points as we get closer to the season. But everything right now points to him at least being available when the season starts. Let's do bullet point fashion for the rest of the takeaways from this trade. Mike, I'll turn to you for them. So uh, we talked about the Jets for the most part. Mm-hmm. Packers. I don't think there's a dramatic change at all to the utilization for the running backs. Mm-hmm. You expect Aaron Jones to be the preferred fantasy option. A.J. Dillon will be plenty involved and will certainly make it annoying and make Aaron Jones the kind of player that will be prone to, I don't know, four, five, six, seven games this year with under 10 fantasy points. But the wide receivers become a more interesting conversation. Yeah, for for sure. And like you generally would downgrade an offense, but first of all, they already struggled last season. So how far are you downgrading them? Also, the quarterback is not a definite poor situation we don't know like he, <laughs> he might be he might, great the average two <laughs> and a half touchdowns suggest. per yeah. game last season two and a half is about average right so if he's okay they can be in that range you're not really moving the needle on jones or dylan because they're going to run the offense through those two guys we know that the question becomes the pass catchers and there's only one we care about right now and that's christian watson and he's a guy who they design place where he will carry the football he'll get short range targets obviously he is his average up to target was really high so he had the shot uh the shots last uh year downfield as well so I feel good about him just because as the roster is situated, he's going to see a huge amount of usage. So I I, I don't have major concerns right now, but if they take a day one or two uh, wide receiver. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks. Predicting upsets. Winning my bracket group. And leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. We might not feel as good about that player as we do in another show. I was going to say, as of right now, our Tuesday conversation, you can kind of offset whatever gap there is between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love with the fact that there is... I'm not saying these guys are superstars, but there's no Alan Lazard, there's no Randall Cobb, there's no Robert Tunyon, there's no Mercedes Lewis, at least on the roster as of right now. Those are four guys who Aaron Rodgers 
loves, who are, who, are, who were taking up some real estate mm-hmm. last year, and Christian Watson figures to have a much more dramatic volume uh, and target share this upcoming season. Daniel, what were you doing on Friday? Maybe around like <laughs> was it like one o'clock? Oh, I was crying, Lunch? field crying in my tears. Yes. Oh man, this is a huge bummer. Um, Jamison Williams. And there were four other players, but Jamison Williams, certainly the most notable and the only fantasy-relevant player, who was suspended for six games during the upcoming NFL regular season. And these are all tied to betting. And was it three players were suspended for at least one year because they bet on NFL games. Jamison Williams, one of two players that was suspended for six games because of not betting on an NFL game, but betting on other sports while on team premise, that could be the practice facility, that can be the team hotel, that could be on the airplane even they travel to and from games on. So somewhere within the Detroit Lions bubble, Jamison Williams plays an illegal bet. He's out for six games. I mean, we haven't seen much from him. He has one catch to his name, Daniel, but this is a big-time bummer for this offense just because he was one of the trendiest breakout players in the NFL this season. Absolutely, and this is a guy that the Detroit Lions were going to count on with DJ Chark moving on, and he was going to step in immediately to that role to be able to help open up things deep. We saw them try to use him at, towards the end of the season a couple of times in that role, right? But the reason why this hurts so much to me is the fact that he didn't get a rookie season. He wasn't like all of these other rookie-wide receivers last year that got to slowly come along throughout the year, and then they had a bunch more playing time down the stretch. That's not the way it worked for Jamison Williams. He was already behind the eight ball, and now he's going to miss again the first six games of this year? I feel like, from a fantasy perspective, all of the wind just came out of my Jamison Williams sales. There's so much that's left now. Knowing that he is missing six games because of a suspension, puts him in that DeAndre Hopkins conversation from last year, right? Where when you draft a guy, you're not going to be able to put him on your IR slot. You're going to have to leave him on your bench. The difference is, Jamison Williams is not DeAndre Hopkins. Mm, He's a guy who has not done this in the NFL yet, and in spite of all the things that I want to love about this guy, I have no idea how you use a draft pick on him. He's someone that you're just looking at, for me, off of the waiver wire. Week four, maybe week five, as yeah. things start getting closer. That's where I went with Jameson Williams. So, Field, go through with us what the rules are for a suspended player in terms of participating training camp and then as the season opens, um, because this will factor into how I look at Jameson yeah. Williams going into the season. We will see Jameson Williams with the Lions until the final cutdown And basically Tuesday of week one of the NFL regular season. So he can participate in preseason games and training camp and OTAs, mandatory minicamp and all that. But effective at that Tuesday before week one, assuming the Lions don't play on Thursday night against the Chiefs, which I don't think they will, obviously. um, You're going to see him. He's going to be out there. He's going to be working with his guys. He's going to go away then for the next five ish weeks. And by going so, away, not allowed at the facility? I'd have to look into what the specs are because like Deshaun Watson last year was suspended for 11 games, it was back within like 6 games. I'm pretty sure though he will miss the majority of those 6 weeks. Will not be permitted into the facility at all. It may be 6 total weeks, but put it this way, he's going to be behind the eight ball relative to the rest of the guys that are out there for 6 full weeks. Field, can he appeal this at any point? Or, or do you it's think the been, NFL- all that's done? Yep. That, and all, all it's all done. the the whole process is done. And by the way, uh, it's a bummer, obviously, but this is one where I didn't sense a lot of sympathy around the NFL for players betting. The rules are not only very cut and dry, but they are hammered over the players' heads all the time. And we're a year removed from one of the best players in the NFL getting spending right, for right, a year right, in right. Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Those are the rules. 
you know them. My 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 concern uh, for just looking at it from the medical standpoint, health standpoint. So yep. you're removed from ACL. You expect bigger and better things. He will have the benefit of the acclimation period then during training camp and hopefully get some preseason action because that's all important. Yep. But those six weeks off, if he's not allowed to be at the facility, he's not practicing football. That's potentially problematic. And that's where you see guys run into increased injury risk because, again, they are slipping off. This whole acclimation period was built in for a reason, and they actually saw injury data that showed that the acclimation period was beneficial. If you lose that over those six weeks, I don't care what you're doing on your own. You're not doing football things if you're not participating with the team. So, again, it just does throw a little bit of concern his way. Let's talk draft strategy, Mike, then. Can we do that? Yeah, I was going to – well, there really isn't one. There, it's, it, the draft strategy is you don't pick him in most formats because, okay. look, it's six games, right? So that yeah. could be six weeks. It could be seven weeks. Depending and also, let's say, you, let's say you're holding him on your bench, right? Yeah. Week, Let's just say week eight rolls around after the bye and six games. Uh, you going to put him in your lineup? No. You're not going to put him yeah. – last, yeah. last week he appeared in, what, six or seven games? He barely saw the field. I know he's coming off the injury. He caught one pass. He has one NFL catch. He's he going to be midway yeah. through his second NFL season. They're going to bring him along slowly. They have Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, a couple guys that can hold down the four. At some point, though, could he be a fantasy starter in the second half of the season? Absolutely. Is that enough for me to spend a late-round pick on him and stash him on my bench for half the season? No, absolutely not. I, okay. was, I was worried about doing that with Hopkins last year. Right. There's just too much opportunity cost. There's other flyers you could take that have upside as well instead of Jamison Williams. Yeah, so I was thinking about how do I adjust my rankings for, for Jamison Williams because I, I had him at wide receiver 47, which is like borderline draftable right. prior to this six-game suspension. But the reality is that there are other players that are in that same range who – even if I took them, I wouldn't have any expectation of them having a role out of the shoots for me. So in some ways, I wasn't inclined to move him down my ranks that much. On the other hand, if he's not available for essentially half the season because of what Mike just said, all right, I might take less talented players. Here's the only thing that I would say is the argument for Jamison Williams. And we can't have this argument right now because it's not the preseason. But if training camp rolls around and preseason rolls around, and he looks like the best player on that mm-hmm. offense, yeah. which, by the way, is totally possible. The guy's an absolute freak. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll justify that late-round flyer. Yeah, But I, if, I, he, goes, if he has yeah. a ho-hum preseason, and we have learned in the past that ho-hum preseasons don't mean everything, see Jamar Chase, but if he lights it up in the preseason, it's going to be impossible not to get excited about that and possibly use your 14th, 15th, or 16th round pick on a player mm-hmm. who has so much speed. I'm telling you, he moves at a different speed than everybody else in the NFL, maybe aside from about Tyreek Hill. Fields, you uh, don't see this as a spot where I, I don't see, I don't think Amon Ra can really move up draft boards any more than he is already at. And I just want to say that out loud. Write that in right there in like my, like, uh, my sort of like second half of my top tier wide receivers. Amon Ra, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's. 100 catches, 1,200 yards, and probably half dozen touchdowns is basically, you know, the, that, that's sort of the threshold that you expect every year now from Amon Ra, who's only two seasons into his career. Let's talk Trey Lance here for a second. And Stefania, the 49ers <laughs> and John Lynch acknowledged this yesterday. Um, I would say he did not shut the door on a Trey nope. Lance trade, but I also think he made it clear, like, we're not going to give Trey Lance away for a bag of peanuts. Before we ask about the fantasy value, like, as a fan, a fan of the 49ers, would your preference be, barring a trade, barring like a first round pick offer, to hold on to Trey Lance, given how uncertain things are with Brock Purdy and the fact that Sam Darnold could be the week one starter? Absolutely, could. absolutely. I, I I think the 49ers are playing this the right way. 
Um, if they got an offer they couldn't refuse, would they do something? Probably. Yeah. But are they really going to get one when people haven't seen but the tiniest of sample sizes of what Trey Lance can and could be and, and sort of unfair with that first game in the monsoon last year and then he got hurt so early? I don't think people really know. I don't see any team going out and making a huge offer. And if you're the 49ers, how badly have you been burned? You lost three starters to injury last year. So why would you not want the depth if it's already there? I know everybody's making this assumption that Brock Purdy is ready week one. I think that's an assumption that we can't make right now. I think that's that'd be great if he is, but he might not be. Sam Darnold, like you said, is there for a reason. Where does Trey Lance fit in? I think we're going to find out. I think they like the idea of them all pushing each other in the preseason as well. Like they, They've worked with Trey Lance. They expect him to be better, obviously, coming off the injury. So I think um, I can't speak for all 49ers fans. I've certainly seen in the 49ers chatter some people are like, yeah, move on. Like Because they haven't seen a result. But you got to take into account why you haven't seen them. And uh, I think... Mm-hmm. I think to, to basically say, yeah, we made a mistake and we'll move. I, well, they certainly invested too much to do what you said, like no bag of peanuts there. I think it serves them well to have him as uh, in, in the quarterback room. Mike, I don't, I don't know that this is much of a redraft conversation because almost every quarterback spot has been filled or will be filled on Thursday during the draft. Be curious from a dynasty perspective because he was in the conversation – Two years ago, when he got drafted, like there was a compelling case for him as the quarterback to be taking in that class for Dynasty mm-hmm. because he was by, I mean, him and Justin Fields were the two superior athletes in that class. Any value there anymore? Do you think like the ship has sailed? No, no, I think there's definitely value. He's the kind of guy you want buried on your bench if you can get him cheap, much like another NFL team should at least be giving them a call to see if they can get him at a discount. Should the Niners accept, uh, you know, I a got late three teams pick? No. Mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I listed a few. I think it'll come down to who doesn't get the big four from this quarterback class, okay. or maybe five if you like Hendon Hooker. But there are some options, whether it's in a backup role uh, just to develop. Um, you can look at it a few ways. But even if he stays put, which maybe it's a good spot. We don't know Brock Purdy's the real deal. I think they they feel pretty confident, but we don't know that yeah. for sure. Um, there's still value here. The guy is a year younger than Will Levis. Yeah, I mean, he's crazy. still very young. He's made three <laughs> NFL starts. And by the way, in his three full games, he has 174 rushing yards. That's a lot of fantasy production he can get out of his legs. So if he develops into a below-average passer, he can certainly be a fantasy star. So no doubt should be stashed in dynasty formats. And you're right on season-long right now. You know, we don't expect him to be a full-time starter. If he gets traded, that's a different conversation. Let me throw three teams at you, Daniel, that I think if I were to craft an offer for Trey Lance, these are three teams that I think— Let's see if I have them on my list. I wrote some teams down. Let's see if we're on the same page. I'm ready. Bring it. We always start with familiarity in the NFL. We talked about the Titans the last time we talked about Trey Lance. Grant Carthon, their GM, of course, came from the 49ers as of right now. Uh, There is certainly a question mark around the Titans quarterback room beyond 2023. Ryan Tannehill has the second-largest cap hit in the NFL this season, which means that um, either they're going to— play this thing out in the string and sort of turn to a new phase or they're going to try to extend him and uh, get that cap number down, which if they do that, it makes it all moot. But Tennessee has certainly been floated as a potential quarterback suitor in the draft or Trey Lance. Number two, Houston Texans, Miko Ryan's connections, Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. obviously knows Trey Lance very well from spending the past couple of seasons with him. And here 
is where things get interesting. Mm. By the way, two years, $9.07 million is what a team would owe Trey Lance if they acquire him. Fully guaranteed, but two years, call it $4.5 million bucks per year. Not you bad. decide if that's too much or too little. I think it's a fairly... It's, it's a very fair justification for a quarterback that has starting potential. Last one, Baltimore Ravens. Ooh. Now, they are airtight to the cap this year, mm-hmm. but the cap number for Trey Lance is quite a bit lower in 2023 than it is 2024. So it may require them moving some money around. But right now they can't get a deal done with Lamar Jackson. I know, know for a fact they've been doing homework on some of the quarterbacks in this year's class. You have to prepare for a contingency plan. You can't get something done with Lamar Jackson or if a divorce is coming sooner than we all realize, right? Sure feels like a team that has built an offense around an uber-freak athlete (laughs) would be smart to look at other uber-freak athletes at the quarterback spot and consider how they would fit there. I have no knowledge that the the Baltimore would ever do this. I'm not trying to report anything. I'm just hypothesizing, Daniel, a team that would make some logical sense to look at Trey Lance. And while I think Tyler Huntley is a— Fine backup. He's fine. That's Just how fine. I describe him. Yep. Right? Trey Lance with some development could be a star. Your thoughts on Lamar on a Lamar contingency plan being Trey Lance. I would love that, honestly. And part of what the Ravens do, obviously, they're looking to have that backup quarterback fit that same kind of style so that they're not having to completely change their offense if their QB1 goes down, right? And I think Trey Lance would fit right into that package. My question is, what would they have to give up? How, what kind of compensation yeah. would, the, would the 49ers need? Because understanding they've given... I'm more, I'm more on this thought process of, it's crazy to me. Like, the 49ers, good for you guys. Like, you drafted a kid with the last pick of the draft yeah. that started five games and happened to do good, good things for you in the playoffs. But, wow. Wow is that, like, not normal. Like, the idea yeah. that you're trying to choose between that kid and a guy that you, you traded so many picks for to be able to choose that. Like, there's still so much. I would love to get Trey Lance in Dynasty and him moving over to Baltimore if they can't get a deal done with Lamar. Feels like it would be a fantastic fit where he could step in and that offense and the way that they looked at. They're talking about it right now on this crazy. I think they heard your idea. I know, synergy, right? But um, here's, Daniel, I hear you. But on the 49ers, like, I actually commend teams that move on when it's a sunk cost Mm -hmm. and it's just not going to work. I get it. It was not a good decision to trade up for Trey Lance and pick pick Trey Lance in that particular spot. That's fine. We can admit that. But the reality is that when you have as much success as the 49ers have had, your leash is so much longer. You can afford to to cut bait potentially on a player like this than if this were a team that's been toiling through the NFL for the past three But seasons. I also think their window is shortening in terms of the players that they had. Like when they look at and say, we can win a Super Bowl now. Remember, they were in NFC Championship. Yeah. They, they've done that twice. They've been in a Super Bowl, and they just haven't quite gotten the crown jewel yet. Yeah. But they have all these pieces. They pick up Hargrave from the Eagles. Sorry, Mike. They get. I mean, they are good all the way around. And so, I don't think they have the patience to wait for two or three years for Lance to pan out if they think that's what it's going to take. There's no two ways about it, Stefania. That is well said right there. Let's move from news to the draft. Again, the draft is Thursday night. Here's what we're going to do. Let's just go rapid fire on these players, like 30 seconds or so on them. And just I'll start with you, Mike. I know you've been grinding on this class for a while. Just like general sense on where these players are at in terms of like immediate fantasy value, no fantasy value, or TBD. Start with the quarterbacks, Bryce Young at Alabama. 
Yeah, so uh, short-term, we're not going to love him. He's not a guy that's probably going to add a ton of value with his legs, and those sort of quarterbacks, it's year two where you look for them in fantasy. So we'll love him in Dynasty. We'll love him in Superflex, but uh, he's, you know, we, for the purposes of, the, of this mock, he's going first overall. That's our expectation right now to Carolina. Rebuild, obviously. So, uh, yeah, good Dynasty hole, not a lot of short-term value. And, by the way, uh, this, uh, as Mike said, this is also tied to how Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay had these players mocked in the most recent mm-hmm. tandem mock. C.J. Stroud, Danny, goes second to the Texans. Your thoughts on C.J. Stroud? Well, here's the thing about this. The Texans desperately need somebody. Last year, they were tied for the fewest first downs. They were 31st in time of possession. They were 31st in offensive yards. They were 30th in points scored. Anemic, I think, is the word that I would use for this offense field. They desperately need to inject something into this quarterback position. C.J. Stroud coming in with Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz. And then hopefully we find somebody maybe at that 12 spot where we could potentially add to this offense. I think that wouldn't be a terrible spot because... The Texans can't do this with Davis Mills under center, if you ask me. God, i got to be honest with you, Daniel. When you're reading off that offense, I'm like, I'm having a hard time getting excited about that yeah. group as the <laughs> focal point of my offense. Anthony Richardson goes to the Colts at four. This is the only quarterback, I think, in this year's class where you can make a case for some potential fantasy values to find you. Free well, athlete. Oh, yeah, just because right of away. his athleticism. And we know that he's probably going to – look, if he goes to the Colts, he's going to end up playing. I mean, the whole talk has been like, do you start Anthony Richardson, who only played 13 games and 13 starts in college? Would he be somebody who gets used right away? I think if you go to the Colts, that's the case. It's funny that they put him with the Colts because – I just felt like Will Levis was more the fit for the the, the Colts, and maybe that's because there. Yeah. The, that's, and Jim Mercy kind of made some remarks that made you feel like that was more likely to be the case. I think Anthony Richardson's all about where he ends up. But look, this is a guy, he has had a couple of injuries, had a big meniscus injury, but he came back from that and played exceptionally well, showed that he had no issues lingering from that, did have a hamstring issue as well. You, you have an athlete like him, you're going to, those are some of the risks that come with it. But for fantasy purposes, if you thought he was going somewhere and was going to take the reins quickly, oh yeah. Cold to be in. Oh yeah. B. John Robinson goes to the Eagles at 10. I like during the pre-draft process when people are doing mock drafts or comparisons for players, mm-hmm. they characterize the comparisons as like best case scenario outcome versus like maybe like median outcome, right? Because every quarterback is a cross between Joe Montana and Tom Brady. It's like, give me a break there, right? But I think the most optimistic outlook for Bijan Robinson, if he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, is the best running back in fantasy, right? Because he can do it all. He played behind arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. 32 rushing touchdowns last season. If he takes a third of those. Now, are the Eagles going to involve multiple backs? Of course they are. Do we have any guarantee about what his receiving role will look like? We do not. But I think the best possible outcome for Bijan Robinson, if he were to go to the Philadelphia Eagles, which I don't think will happen at pick number 10, but this is the most recent mock, would be like a top, like maybe top one, but certainly a top five running back season would not be mm-hmm. out of the question for a guy who I'm telling you will define the NFL draft in terms of rookies for fantasy football. Did he you is hear, just that special. You hear the ESPN Daily with Hallie Grossman about, no. she? so she profiled oh, yeah. Bijan Robinson, and I thought the thing that I took away from it, I, I think it was... When he met with the Eagles, but he said something like, "I am, I'm not a running back. Like you're not drafting a running back. You're drafting a difference maker. Like his recognition of, I'm not your traditional running back. I'm going to be somebody who's going to make a difference on offense, no matter what you ask me to do, because I can do it all. And the confidence with that, I just it." It just resonated with me. Like for fantasy purposes, that is exactly what you want to hear. Is that an official NFL position? 
Difference maker? Uh, uh, difference maker. Can yeah, I have that spot? Yeah. Yeah. That's in the game yeah. right now. It goes down. It oh, is when you're talking about running backs. DM. Yeah. I'm going to skip through a couple of these, and I'll sort of pick and choose the rest of the way here. Will Levis to the Titans at number 11. By the way, Loki can add some value with his legs. I'm keeping an eye on where he lands. Oh, Will Levis is a tremendous yeah. Yeah, He didn't run last yeah. year, but he was hurt. So uh, before that, though, rusher he ran in 2021. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba Mike. He maybe is the best wide receiver in this class. Certainly sounds like he's got a real chance to be the first wide receiver taken. Going to the Texans at pick 12. Wouldn't necessarily light my world on fire for fantasy <laughs> this year, but someone's got to catch passes there. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, we talked about Stroud, yeah, at two going to the Texans, at least in this mock draft. So this would give him a top target to go along with Nico Collins, Robert Woods, John Mechie, guys like that, Dalton Schultz, of course. So uh, super young, uh, terrific, had a terrific combine. The guy's a great athlete, was super productive at Ohio State, but he was injured last season, only appeared in three games, and that's kind of knocked his value down a little bit. But uh, the more and more you listen, the more and more you realize it seems that NFL teams have not forgotten about what he did before that injury, and they're very intrigued. I now expect him to be the first receiver off the board as this mock lays out. How about Dalton Kincaid, Mike? It would be so fitting if the Packers used a first-round pick on a pass catcher after years of not doing so <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers on their roster. Yeah, maybe their first like four picks are receivers and be tight ends hilarious. or something. That would be yes. uh, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, like it. It's going to be Kincaid or Mayer is the first tight end off the board, most likely. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, we don't know for sure which uh, which one that the uh, the Packers like. Here's my phone's going off, but if it is Kincaid, uh, obviously, he, you know, look, we don't love tight ends as rookies in fantasy necessarily, but. He'd have a shot to be second in targets on this team, so maybe a slow start, and then maybe is a uh, a streaming option in the second half of the season. But the guy's a lot of upside as a pass catcher. All right, a couple more here just to rip through some. Uh, Daniel uh, Zay Flowers went to Boston College. They yeah. have never had a first round wide receiver, at least in the common draft era. I know he goes to the Steelers. This was again. This was after the Allen Robinson news. Your yeah. Thoughts? So is this is this an indictment on Allen Robinson? Just holds no value whatsoever. I'm sorry, this was before the Allen Robinson news. Okay. Let, let, let me reclarify okay. there. My apologies. This took place like. Hours before the Allen Robinson, Robinson trade news. went down. Okay. Your thoughts? So I guess even with that, honestly, there. Are th- I mean, they obviously have Deontay Johnson. They got George Pickens that they like, and they expect him to take another step, especially with Chase Claypool having left, and that role is now fully there for for uh, for him. I think Zay Flowers coming in. To me, if you decide to draft a wide receiver here, that is the ultimate vote of no confidence in Allen Robinson, regardless of how much you brought him in and how cheap he is. I just feel like he's going to get buried on that depth chart behind Pat Fryermuth, and they still have a good pass-catching running back. Mike, go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong. I don't think it happens. I just think, you know, I I don't think they make this pick if it's not, you know, if it happened after that trade. It's just, I would say it's a vote of no confidence in uh, George Pickens, honestly. I mean, why would you spend another one on a receiver? I don't think they're going to receive. Yeah, Pickens in the second round shocked. last year with Zay Flowers in the first round this yeah, year. Yeah, and Harris, Johnson, I mean, you know, paid recently. So uh, I tend to think it's unlikely the Steelers attack the wide receiver spot, but we shall see. Let me ask you about Jameer Gibbs, Dan. He's further down the board. Oh yeah, he's going to your lines at forty-eight. The rich would be getting richer in that backfield, which has talent. Uh, this guy though might, I think, if he goes to Detroit. It means probably bad things for one of David Montgomery or, I guess, DeAndre Swift. And I would guess because of the skill set, it means bad things for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, and I'm kind of confused about that because we just obviously just signed David Montgomery, right? So if you look at that, we're moving on from DeAndre Swift while he's still in his rookie deal. Maybe. Right? And if that happens, right, and we're talking about it, I would love to be able to add a guy like Jameer Gibbs with the hopes that he can be on the field more often than what we have seen from DeAndre Swift. That's one of the only knocks that I have on DeAndre, Mike, because we've talked about this. When he's on the field, 
His fantasy production is unreal. He's just got to be able to stay on the field. That's been the only knock. And so I think it would be tough for the Lions to add a third running back here in this situation. I I can't see it happening because I don't know how they move on from DeAndre Swift with the cost that he has. Especially because they have Kutztown's Craig Reynolds on that. That's right. I mean, come on. Uh, Look, I don't think... Gibbs and DeAndre Swift will be on the same roster this Agreed. season. So if they draft Gibbs, it probably means Swift is being traded to it's the Chiefs. Point. Please, come yeah. on, the Chiefs. I want the Chiefs. All right, let's go through a handful of other wide receivers slash pass catchers here, Stefania. Dealer's choice. Jordan Addison from USC goes to the Chargers at 21. He would stay local, even though he started his college career at Pitt. Michael Mayer goes 24th to the Jaguars. Reminder that Evan Ingram is only under contract for right now through 2023. And then Quentin Johnston goes 26 to the Cowboys. He's from TCU. Ooh, don't like that. Any of those kind of get, get you excited one way or the other? Well, Michael Mayer. I, I mean, just watching him play, he's fantastic hands. Uh, it, I, I like him and Dalton Kincaid. It's interesting because I at one point thought I thought kind of thought Dalton Kincaid could end up with the Cowboys, the Dalton to Dalton yeah. switch out there. Um, Michael Mayer, I think that make, would make sense for the Jaguars to ultimately bring in another tight end. We're not sure how much of a shelf life Evan Engram has has left. He did have a strong year last year, but Michael Mayer provides a, certainly a safety valve for uh, Trevor Lawrence in terms of what he's able to do. I think you would have a lot of confidence in him being able to fold in right away. By the way, short-term fantasy value, those three guys you just laid out, Field, hate it. Hate it for 2023. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mayor yeah. will be behind yeah. Ingram. By the way, we saw that last year. The first tight end off the board was Trey McBride was behind Zach Ertz. That's right. not unheard of. Quentin Johnson to Dallas, he'd be fourth in line. <laughs> that would they're, be awful. They're three deep. We, we would hate that short term. Long term, fine. Short term, terrible. And Addison, uh, he'd need an injury, right? He'd be <laughs> yeah. flushes. He would be uh, yeah. third in line out of the gate with Williams. Although with I, the Chargers, I, you're kind of down on one of those. Hate to say it. Yeah, uh, no, uh, an injury no, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. fine with it from their perspective, yeah. but, but from a fantasy perspective, right. we're not going to love that. For fantasy, all, yeah. none of these yeah. three have immediate appeal where you're like, oh yeah, I could see them fitting in right Can away. I, I want to ask this question, Mike. When we talk about that, Jordan Addison potentially going to the Chargers, obviously you have Keenan Allen, obviously you have Mike Williams, and Josh Palmer was, Palmer's I don't want to say a too, disappointment yeah. last year, but based on all the time that, that both Keenan and Mike Williams missed, I expected more from him in year two. Is this a situation where year three for this kid, you could see another step? Because if they draft another wide receiver here, now you got four guys that you're trying to share time with, and that would be tough. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll, uh, all the Chargers dot connecting seems to be speculation, right? Are we sure they're not in on Palmer? I mean, if they love him, this doesn't really make sense to do this and put him forth on the depth chart. So uh, I, we don't know for sure. I know that like every NFL team has some mystery surrounding its draft, mm-hmm. especially when you're not picking in the top five, where it becomes a lot more difficult to figure out, A, who is going to be available, and then B, who you're going to prefer. The Chargers are notoriously good at keeping their draft intentions very close to the vest. Even when they had a top three pick, even when they had a top seven pick with Justin Herbert on the board, like there was very little buzz connecting Justin Herbert to the Chargers. Excuse me, it was pick six overall, but mm-hmm. a quarterback going in the top six, usually there's some dot connecting. There was very little of that with the Chargers and Justin Herbert three years ago. They obviously are very happy with that pick. So, Mike, I'll let you wrap it up here. Is there a player that we haven't yet mentioned that you see where they land and you say, to yourself, I could see some fantasy value there. This often is where we find like a mid-round Ooh, running. Back. Interesting. Uh, in, from well, look, I love Tajay Spears. So if he goes to the Broncos, it's sixty-eight. Um, I I guess I like it short term because he would team up with Samaje Piran and could have yeah. some value there. But eventually, that's going to be the Javante Williams show. So I love Spears. I I don't really love that landing spot. But I'll tell you one that one that jumps out to me here in terms of fantasy excitement right off the bat is Josh Downs mm. going to the Bills. You know they've been. Tr- 
for a while they were trying to find that passing down back. They finally locked that down. Then they wanted a big back. It was very clear, like, their intentions. Then they did that, got Damian Harris. Now they're kind of looking for that slot guy. That could be Josh Downs right off the bat. Uh, just a super quick guy. And uh, look, Josh Allen was looking for a guy like that last year to the point that they brought Cole Beasley out of retirement. Yeah. This would be a young, up-and-coming sort of guy. Again, undersized, but uh, probably a short-range target. But there's a lot of volume and scoring in this Bills offense. I'd be super sure. pumped for that one. Over 100 catches each of the past two years for Josh Downs, Daniel. Field, I want to ask you, because you're the one that's doing the first draft podcast yeah. every Wednesday with Todd and Mel. So when you look at this list, is there somebody that stands out to you that, like you said, isn't one of the main names that maybe is a day two or a day three guy that might have some value here? Yeah, last one I'll mention is, and I as I was, I sort of was leading Mike into this, uh, <laughs> like running backs that are taken in the mid-rounds. He mentioned Tajay Spears from Tulane going 68 to the Broncos. So much uncertainty surrounding Javante Williams with his rehab right now. But I'll mention Zach Charbonnet, yeah, UCLA that. going to the Rams at 77. Talk about a thin backfield right now. Yeah. Obviously, it's Cam Akers, but... Thin Beyond roster. that, yeah. Thin, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Kyron Williams, I think the Rams do have internal hope for, but we have seen a team often talk about like how much they love a running back taken on day three, and then a year later, just like totally usurp that player with another day two or day three pick. And for those that don't know Zach Charbonnet, I don't know that he has like this elite skill set that's going to pop if you're watching a YouTube video like some of these other running backs will, but he absolutely crushed it at Michigan for a couple of years transferred back home to finish up his career at UCLA and crushed it for Chip Kelly two years with the Bruins. That entire offense was fun to watch this past year, as a matter of fact. All I know is if he's on my fantasy team, I have all kinds of great wine-themed fantasy team names that are coming. That's what's really important about the draft here is figuring out which of these guys you can draft. Daniel, I'm trying to to serve the audience. (laughs) What's the 49ers' first pick? Like 92 or something like that? Can we make sure? that I think it's 99, 100, and 101, right? Whatever it is, make sure Zach Charbonnet is one of the picks, and despite the fact that they have Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. 49ers are very good at getting these Mid round, uh, yeah, you know, he might not, he might not last that long, but hey, we could, we could make, we could do something with it. All right, so we, uh, we do have just two days from when we're having this conversation until the NFL draft. We can't wait for it. And a reminder: Friday, check out the show. We'll have a reaction to the first round, and then we'll come back in the following week as well to react to anything that could take place on days two and three of the draft. Maybe we'll have some veteran player trades for guys not named Aaron Rodgers. In the meantime, for Daniel. Mike, Stefania, I am Field. We'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the draft on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He's a NASCAR guy with a base to try. A Langford fan for life. Chargers are off to a terrible start, but that won't change his mind. Matching up all the quarterbacks, touchdown regression and weekly stats. But if your team falls